Welcome back to It's All About Mental Health. I'm Erica. And I'm Will. And we are happy to have you back tonight. And we have some very special guests here. One who we had last week, uh-huh. Lauren. And we are so excited that you're back, Lauren, because you brought up so much last week when we talked about family and mental health that because of you, we have decided to continue the dialogue. So will you introduce yourself to our listeners out there? Hi everyone, I'm Lauren and I'm 20 years old and I go to the University of Maryland. Goes to University of Maryland. And we have someone special all the way from the East Coast Mm -hmm. to California. I'm Jocelyn. I also go to the University of Maryland. I'm 20 and I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thank you, Jocelyn. That's a long distance. I came here just for this. (laughs) When did you come into town? Um, I landed this morning, actually. How's it been so far? Amazing. Just went around Malibu, saw the sunset, the beaches, so... Getting a little tour. <laughs> Welcome nice. to LA. Thank you. I'm she sure met you... someone famous on her plane ride. Well, yeah. there, oh, you wow. there you go. There you go. I'm sure you have a full itinerary <laughs> yes, this yes. upcoming week. Mm-hmm. Have excited. fun. Thank I'm you. so happy that we get to be a part of your travels yeah, here. I'm so happy to be here. So yeah, thank I, you. Like, I really appreciate you coming, especially you know on the day you came into town. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's like. Almost 11 o'clock already, East Coast time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a night owl, so I'm like, oh, this okay. is actually helpful for you. You're like, <laughs> yeah. on it. You go to bed at a normal hour. There yeah. you go. There you go. So much appreciated. Yeah, of course. Happy so as I was saying, Will, we were going to keep talking about family and mental health. Because uh-huh. that was where we left off last yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lauren, you had... Initially, when I asked even what mental health meant to you, you went right in there. You're the first person who went right in there, right away, and started talking about your family and how they have shaped your view or your impact on mental health. So I thought we could just kind of go right back in there where, where we where we left off and if you could maybe recap for those who haven't heard our prior podcasts a little bit about your family and how they have impacted you and your view on the mental health. Um, Well, as I kind of talked about last time, I think that my family well, I, I just came from a family where, like, my dad won't even take an Advil if he has a headache type thing. So, like, uh-huh. when there is any type of issue or something along the lines of mental health, it's more just, like, rub some dirt in it, move on, you'll be fine type uh-huh. of thing. So, I think that coming, growing up, it was, I never, it was never really a topic that was discussed very often. Uh-huh. And I think up until I got to college, that's when it more became a part of my life and became something that was definitely raised awareness for me on the topic and kind of how it should have been my whole life Mm -hmm. but I think as I got older it became more like upfront and was brought to my attention more and you and Jocelyn are 
close at school. And She's my sorority sister. Sorority <laughs> sister. So I, we had talked a little bit before we started tonight, and Jocelyn was just telling us a little bit about her family. Um, so I'm wondering if you could tell us, Jocelyn, a little about your family and what they have taught you about mental health. So I, when I was a lot younger, I didn't really think very much about mental health, probably throughout middle school, like it was talked about in my classes and stuff, but I had never really thought that it was gonna be something that affected me so personally. Um, and then when my, I'm one of three girls, so when my older sister, the middle one, went to college, she, she always struggled a little bit with anxiety and it wasn't really talked about in my family. It was kind of just swept under the rug. Like it was just something that she dealt with, wasn't really anyone else's business. And then when she got to school, she had her first manic episode and my parents were kind of in denial about it at first. They didn't really know how to handle it. They thought maybe there was drugs involved. Like she's a college student, maybe she was drinking or her friends were overreacting. And it wasn't until she needed to be hospitalized and she went to a few different doctors, had a few different manic episodes that they finally got the proper diagnosis, which was bipolar disorder. Um, and once she was diagnosed, that kind of became like what my whole family cared about. Mm -hmm. And we would go to like NAMI meetings and we would all learn about it and learn about the signs in case like someone else in the family developed it. So it wasn't until something happened within my family that I was really exposed to it, mm. which I kind of wish that it had been a little bit different so that it wasn't as much of a shock, but I definitely know a lot more about it since then. Can you tell our listeners, Jocelyn, what NAMI is? Um, National Alliance on Mental Illness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's amazing that your parents took you there. Yeah. So we had to visit her and we would go to all of the different like PowerPoints and we would go to big group therapy sessions uh -huh. and yeah. it was just a lot of exposure to a lot of different people, not yeah. just bipolar disorder, like substance mm -hmm. abuse and yeah. everything when I was pretty young. So. How old were you? Um, I was 12 or 13, the first uh -huh. like big group session that I went to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And did this, was your sister hospitalized throughout? The she, rest of your uh, throughout your high school mm -hmm. experience um throughout my high school experience there was one period where she was in i believe it was like an outpatient program mm -hmm. um a few hours away so she yeah she wasn't really there when i was in high school she had been in college already so she wasn't home as it was mm -hmm. so i honestly didn't really know the extent of like where she actually right. was it right. wasn't really talked about right so Jocelyn, because Lauren shared a little last time about her definition and her knowledge about mental health, can you share with our listeners what mental health means? Um, I think a lot of the time people take the word health and they automatically associate that with like being healthy, being 100% healthy. And I think that mental health is more of a spectrum. It's not like you're either mentally healthy or not. Mm -hmm. So I think as long as you're thinking about your mental health and like doing something to better yourself, even if it's something small every day that makes you happy, then I think that that has to do with mental health. That Like taking the time for yourself and really trying to better yourself. Great. Great. <laughs> Great. really good. Yeah. And I, I imagine it wasn't the easiest thing being, mm -hmm. you know, a, 13 years old and having to do all these sorts of things with your sister and you also have a lot of knowledge which hopefully you'll continue to use to work on your own mental health 
as you continue your growth and your journey. Yeah. Especially in college, it makes you kind of hyper aware of even the little things that like, say my sister did this like when she was manic, like if someone else is doing something similar, ah. you know, it, it kind of is really eye-opening. It makes you realize like it's all around you and yeah. it's, it's helpful, honestly. I feel like everyone should know as much as like I've been lucky enough to learn. Right, right. Can you, is there anything in particular that comes to mind, an example you can share? Um, like part of her, her, everything that she has going on is she's very OCD also. Mm -hmm. And like freshman year, one of my roommates, um, she was struggling with an eating disorder and it was, I think a lot of it was like obsessive, like a little bit OCD also. And it, not that my sister had an eating disorder, but just seeing like the anxiety that comes along with everything that they're going through and like just knowing how to be there for someone really and recognizing when you should maybe step in and try to help. I think that was more of the eye-opening experience. Mm -hmm. That's a good example. And uh, with, with substance abuse, addiction or eating disorders, uh, there is an underlying another mental disorder that goes mm -hmm. along with it, whether it's anxiety or depression or OCD. We call that comorbidity when there's one or more yeah. uh, diagnoses or mental illnesses. And, and so when you said OCD, for those of you who don't know, that means obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, can you tell our listeners uh, what you've seen about OCD, what you know about OCD. Um, I know a little bit more, not from my sister, actually from this roommate that I had. Just having a very strict schedule was one of the main things that she dealt with. And if the schedule didn't go exactly to plan, there was things that you could like just see on her face that she was like mm -hmm. upset about it. And like little things that maybe you would never think would be so upsetting. Like if you're 10 minutes late to a dinner, maybe that doesn't affect you the same way it affects someone else. And just noticing how everyone deals with things differently and like what can trigger you might not trigger someone else. Right. So right. that was what I was really noticing. Right. So obsessions are the ruminating thoughts mm -hmm. that continue again and again. And the compulsions are the acts or the behavior that one engages into to uh, reduce mm -hmm. the the ruminating thinking. Right. So, like somebody has anxiety, uh, just wait, to go on what you were saying, the way they try and reduce their anxiety is by keeping a really rigid schedule. So every time anxiety comes up, it's like, you know got to go back to the mm. schedule and then it can then it can just get worse and worse and take on its own life yeah. from there and like for her I think the, that the way that she dealt with it was working out which uh -huh. didn't help the situation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so thank you for sharing that mm -hmm. example being in a sorority for you girls what what did you I mean, you just shared a little bit, Jocelyn, about, you know, being a freshman in college. But I know, Lauren, you shared a little last time about uh, one of the friends that you had and some of the, the mental health issues that they're struggling with. But how did, 
the way you were raised, this is a really big question, but how did the way you were raised and your view of mental health, how has it affected you being in college and even more so being in a sorority? Well, I think for me, it was kind of a crazy eye-opening experience when I talked about last time when we had a form of pledging and where we all would open up about things that happened in our life. And I think it was kind of a weird and eye-opening experience for me because it was the first time I'd been in a situation where that was talked about. And so I think being in college and being in a sorority, it was like interesting for me to see all the different examples and different people who have experienced different things who were ready to just talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that was different for me because I had never been in a position where people would just openly sit in a room and just talk about everything that they're thinking, everything that's been going on, like experiences they've had. And I think coming from the family I came from where that wasn't a topic of conversation, it was definitely a big learning experience because all these people that have experienced these different things, they have come to terms with the fact that talking about it is kind of the only way to help yourself and the mm-hmm. only way to move past it. And I think it was just, I learned a lot from that because I think it's like definitely taught me that that's something that should be considered and should be like help. And it's a very helpful thing to do. Mm-hmm. So talking about your feelings um, and Jocelyn, you had said with your family, things being swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. When did you realize that being in college and even more so being in a sorority, if that's come into play at all? Like um, going, God, that's what my family does. <laughs> well, Lauren and I are actually in the same sorority, so I was there when all of these people were opening up about it. And it just made me realize that like every single person goes through some form of something and like being able to talk about it, even if it's not, say, like for my family, for example, we don't love to talk about things that are super emotional, which maybe that's not the best thing, but just having like someone in your life that you can talk to about it has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. And people that relate to you because mm-hmm. hearing right. all the different stories about all these different people, like there was just so many situations where people could like relate to a, a situation you were in. And like, I think that's why pledging and being an authority was so helpful for me because it kind of just opened up your social circle to just mm-hmm. people that could have maybe gone through something similar and like mm-hmm. were ready to talk about it and ready to like be there for you and like it was just a very valuable experience I think. So, yeah so I really do imagine all of a sudden hearing all of these girls becoming so emotional and mm-hmm. sharing about all their emotions and talking about it was like oh my god what are these people doing yeah. <laughs> kind of scary. It was it- definitely scary at first because like people that you didn't even know were telling you your deep their deepest darkest secrets and like the scariest things they've been through and like it was definitely a -a one-of-a-kind experience and I think it definitely taught me a lot about understanding people and kind of like I've talked about this a little bit last time but being just kind of more understanding when you don't even know someone because everyone has a story and mm-hmm. everyone's been through something mm-hmm. regardless of the size right or and and as someone hears me say in every every podcast what do i say you know what i say will everyone has mental health, mental health. Yeah. health. yeah so important that everybody knows that we all have mental health so for those of you who think you are 
uh, of someone who doesn't. Here. <laughs> I'm here to correct that view and tell you that we all have mental health, so we all need to uh, take care of ourselves because our mental health affects everything about us, how we are in the world, how we connect to people, the way we cope with things, the way we problem solve, the way we think, the way we feel, the way we behave. So mental health is, is a huge, huge part of it. So Jocelyn, um, would you share, because I'm sure there are those, those out there who have family members who have been diagnosed mm -hmm. or struggled with mental illness. Can you share what it's been like for you growing up with a sister diagnosed with bipolar disorder? Yeah, so my sister is six years older than I am, and I was 12 or 13 when she was diagnosed. So honestly, I don't really remember life before like that diagnosis. Not mm -hmm. that that was like such a bad thing, but it really was like a major point in her life just because she finally like figured out like this is something that maybe I can like figure out get a hold of it won't affect me anymore so that was honestly that journey of her like figuring out exactly how to better herself really taught me a lot just because I saw those hard parts that she went through and as hard as it was on my family it's only gotten better there's been spurts where she's not the healthiest and it's been hard on everyone and there's backlash like blaming my parents or blaming me like that kind of thing has definitely been difficult but it's important to remember that this isn't anyone's fault that mm -hmm. it's just something that kind of happens and you deal with it mm -hmm. and you move forward mm -hmm. and that's just been a huge learning lesson with everything even if it's something small that happens you can take that and grow from it uh, and, but what about like when you were in it because I mean this is obviously knowledge yeah. you've come to maturing and getting older and being in college and stuff like what was it like for you? Um, so there was like one instance in particular where I had friends over mm -hmm. and she was going through a manic episode and I just felt so embarrassed at the time. Like mm -hmm. I hadn't really told anyone what was going on. It's very stigmatized. So it wasn't yeah. really anything, especially being like a 13 year old, no one really knows like what bipolar yeah. disorder is right. or yeah. what a manic episode is. And that was like the hardest experience for me because I just felt like very selfishly, I felt like my friends were going to judge me for it or yeah. they were going to tell people. And that was really hard. Just trying to balance like who I could trust, who I could share things with. Um, I didn't want to put the pressure on my parents of like being openly upset about it because yeah. I felt like they were already dealing with enough with her that they didn't need to deal with me. You know, mm. and being a college student now, like if I get a little bit of anxiety or anything, I like don't want to burden my parents with it just because immediately they'll think like, oh, maybe I'm going through the same thing that she did. And just kind of trying to figure out like who you can open yourself up to because it really does help you feel better. Mm -hmm. So would you say one of the roles in your family in dealing with this was like put aside whatever was going on with you because you didn't want to quote unquote you didn't say this word but burden mm -hmm. your family with anything else oh 100% mm -hmm. even like years later I think um, that's even you to this day yeah you that's really literally Lauren? what I was gonna mm -hmm. like Lauren was there for me when I, in the beginning of the semester I was having 
such bad anxiety. I don't really know like what caused it or anything, but I like I was like confiding in her. I didn't really want to tell my parents because they're so sensitive to it. And like my mom, of course, like love her to death, but like she's immediately gonna think that something is going wrong in my life. I should come home or like just anything like that. So I really didn't want to stress my parents out. Even with to my a stuff. point, I think where at a like when this was happening, I think with her in the semester, I thought it was. It would be beneficial to go to therapy, but I remember you saying to me, I can't tell my mom I need to go to therapy because she's going to think it's much more than what it is. And it, like, like you were saying, your mom Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm like, afraid to feel emotions. Like, a normal person feels emotions, but Mm -hmm. my parents are so, like, oh, is it a mood swing? Do you have a mood disorder? Hypersensitive. Exactly. Uh Very, very hypersensitive. I guess my question in regards to that is, do you... Are you okay with making that sacrifice for for your parents instead of being able to take that step for yourself? And at, at what point do you allow yourself to say, you know what, I need to do this for me? Do you wait until you're on your own? Until you yeah. have forced yourself to try and cope for so long? Um, well, I ended up like talking to my parents about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I... I just said to my mom, like, I've never really felt like this before. Like, I don't want you to freak out or think that this is something so big that I've been hiding from you. Yeah. And I think that it was more built up in my mind that she was going to have such a, like, intense reaction. So once I did tell her, like, of course she was, like, worried about the normal things that you would expect her to be worried about. But she really did have a better reaction than I hoped. So Good. Yeah, so it was good to be able to finally put that fear a little bit to the side yeah and put myself first in that situation that's amazing well i have a question about the anxiety that you said you experienced (laughs) i I just wonder (laughs) if that what if you were afraid of that what does this mean for me that's exactly kind of what i was thinking too my my question was like was along the lines of are these anxieties that maybe you worry about are you leading down that same path? It got to the point where I was literally taking tests online, like, am I bipolar? Wow. Just because, also I'm a psych major, so I've been learning about, like, the signs and what the rates are for it being genetic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even within myself, I think that makes anxiety worse because if I feel a tiny Uh, bit anxious, then I, like, start to freak out about myself. Right. You know? And with Dr. Google around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who's got the answer to every (laughs) question, right? But I remember seeing, like, firsthand that that in itself would feel the anxiety. Will you elaborate on that? Because I remember, like, when we would talk about it in the beginning of the semester, it was, like, a lot, like, yes, I'm anxious, but what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And, like, what does, like, that was pretty much the main thing, and then I think that would freak you out in itself. Yeah, 100%. Because it's something that I was afraid of, too. Understandably so. And then, yeah, and and as a 12, 13-year-old kid, you know, you only know what you know about it. So it's understandable and appropriate that you would feel maybe embarrassment Mm -hmm. about it or shame about it because you don't know what other people will say about it. did your parents talk openly about it or was it like, don't tell anybody? Honestly, I don't even remember how I like found out. Uh-huh. Um, 
we went to visit her when I was a junior in high school and that was like the first time I understood that like this was something very serious and we went to like a group session and she kind of lashed out at the person that was speaking to her and then we like weren't allowed visiting rights and that was like the first time that my mom explained like she's going through something right now like you can't blame her for that and like that was the first main talk after she had already been somewhere for it like was already dealing with it Uh so Uh I was like it could have been going on for far longer than I knew about it right so who did you talk to my older sister Mm -hmm. older than her is 10 years older than me and my parents would fill her in and then she would kind of like slip me the information so that was how I did it how has this impacted you in regards to like being there for your friends and and being the one who who knows maybe more about it than others do you tend to be the person who educates others do you and I, I asked that partly because when you said something earlier about bipolar disorder, the first thing I thought about was so many ways the people learn, the average person learns what bipolar even is, is through commercials. Oh my God. On TV. One of the things. <laughs> and that all you like, hear is side effects of medication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that really bothers me to this day, and this is just me being sensitive, is like, if someone has a mood swing, they get called bipolar. Mm-hmm. Just like, even within people our age. Right. Like, one of my professors, oh, she's bipolar, you know? Like, it's it's thrown around as a word that's like, you're happy one minute and sad the next, and that's right. all anyone really knows about it. So, you know, that's just... It, that's a great example, right? And it gets tossed around, maybe because we can't necessarily, on the outside, be able to understand, like, why this person switched or maybe why their mood shifted so quickly but there's a lot more to it than just that quick change right yeah and then being in college as it is mood swings are (laughs) just a part of it so knowing that Mm -hmm. i would imagine that can be a red flag or an indicator if you see somebody who's like that or notice that in yourself at all I also think with what you were saying about like you being there like with the the girl that you were talking she was talking about earlier that struggled with the eating disorder she was actually in our sorority Mm -hmm. and I met her and I never was really I never really got the chance to know her that well because she had been struggling with this from the beginning and then as we were going through the process of being in a sorority, I think it worsened. And so oh, she yeah. ended up having to transfer, but I think you definitely got a first-hand look at her experience because it was her roommate. And to this day, you, you still reach out to her and still talk mm-hmm. to her. And I think that that's mm-hmm. very a select amount of people have done that and have like gone that extra mile to do that. And... I think that's probably something that is very valuable to her. It was it was really sad because what she was going through, like, she lost all her friends pretty much. Like, it was what my sister went through. It was just, like, hard to see it. I'm sure. I need to apologize. Would you be comfortable sharing what 
what you were seeing a little more in detail? I think that it was just people didn't know her yet and she was very underweight. She didn't really smile like you saw it. Like she would sit in the room and like all emotion would drain from her face. Like she just looked miserable. You could like see it in every part of her body. And that's all anyone knew about her. So that's the only thing. Like she has personality, which she's a nice girl, but people saw her as like the skinny girl who had like these issues. And no one really wanted to make the effort because it's harder to be friends with someone like that when you're in a new situation. It's like the extra effort that no one was really putting in. And then she she recognized that and she wanted to go somewhere new. She wanted to be healthier without everyone already knowing the backstory and she's much happier now. She ended up transferring closer to home. Yeah. And and like dealing with everything in her life first and then school came second. Wow. That's amazing. Because I also think going to school is what kind of started. Not probably the first thing, but it definitely, you you knew her before. It was like the first semester of freshman year. Like first semester of college, she was so much fun. She would go out all the time. I don't know like when that started to change, but then once we were going through like the process of being in a sorority, meeting all of these new people, like it was almost hard because no one really saw the person that she was the semester before that. And like obviously that's not their fault. They didn't know her yet, but it was just sad that she wasn't able to make the friends and like on social media and stuff, she would be such a big presence, like uh-huh. act like you're having the best time and, right. and she would post pictures with people she didn't really know. Yeah. And, like, right. It was a very big like, show, and it was really, really sad to see. Yeah, because everyone who knew her knew that she wasn't living the life that she was showing to the world, mm-hmm. which I'm sure everyone was like that, but it was just hard to watch because she was so sad. And what I hear is that you are the one who kind of gets it from other people's perspectives. So the people who really wouldn't want to become friends with her you can understand maybe like have empathy about why it would be hard to be friends with her and for her you had all the sympathy knowing the pain that she was in and so I would imagine that too was a lot kind of knowing what different people were going through yeah and you can't really blame someone for right going the extra mile, you know? Like, they don't know what's going on. Like, they're still dealing with new things, too. It was just hard because, like, I know how that affected my family, and it was just something that she was going through, so it was just... I just had a lot of sympathy for her during the whole mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you were able to show up for her in ways that people weren't able to show up for your sister? Um... Honestly, my sister was lucky. She had good friends who reached out to my parents when they needed to. Oh, great. And with my roommate, it was... Like, we knew that, that her parents needed to get involved. Yeah. So I, I knew that like that had been done for my sister, so I knew that like we had to help her, too. And yeah. Thank God we did. What did that look like? Um, so my other roommate, who we were both... It was like the two of us were very close, and then we had this other roommate who was going through everything... And we reached out to one of her best friends from home first before we reached out to her parents just because, like, we didn't really know her parents that well. Like, we don't know how they were going to react. So we spoke to her friend from home, and her friend from home told her mom what was going on. And then her mom spoke to our roommate's mom. Oh, wow. She contacted us and was asking us more questions. That's really cool. And then the next day she flew home. 
important lesson here which you just shared is wouldn't have been good for you to keep it a secret yeah wouldn't have been good for you in taking care of your own mental health and wouldn't have been good for you trying to be there for your peer would you agree yeah yeah definitely i think also it a big thing was like girls in our sorority were reaching out to like me because she was my roommate concerned about her even if they didn't know her that well like they would see that she looked upset they would see that she looked like she was getting smaller and even if they weren't her best friends it was really nice to see that people were still looking out for this girl like they still wanted her to do well they still wanted her to get the help that she needed and that kind of pushed us forward to like okay other people are starting to realize it like it's not just because we live with her like we really yeah. need to do something about this yeah and it's also it's not like we're just overly concerned. Yeah. Uh, like maybe we're working in this vacuum of our understanding that like we see it on the daily, it looks the worst to us. We yeah. can sense some attitudes from her and we are projecting them onto her whole identity. Even. Justin, when you, you said earlier about your anxiety, can you share a little bit about what it looked like when you first were introduced to it your own anxiety <laughs> um i think it, well it started at the beginning of this year um i would i would literally be sitting in class like tapping my foot like not able to focus and that was really scary to me because i didn't i felt like my thoughts were maybe racing like literally things that i had read about what my sister has i was like almost putting the symptoms onto myself and that was causing me to be anxious too like if I wasn't focusing in class, I was like, oh, my sister was ADHD as a child. Like, maybe this is coming out now. Like, every single thing that would happen to me, even if it was small, I would, like, really, really think about. And it just caused me to be really anxious. I would be, like, in a room with my friends, and I, like, just wouldn't feel like myself. I wouldn't be laughing at the things they were laughing at. And honestly, once I talked to my mom about it, it kind of lessened a lot. Yeah, but that excessive worry that, yeah. that you said and then, then having your thoughts, which you can't control. We can't control the way we think. We can only do something about the thoughts when they come. But here you were having these, yeah, I can only imagine that you were spiraling with your thoughts. Terrified. Yeah, like if I wouldn't sleep at night, I was like, oh my God. What does this mean? Yeah. What is it? Right, yeah. right. It also and doesn't help that that's what you were learning about. At the exactly. Time. Right. <laughs> so then I'm like reading into my textbook and I'm like, oh, I think I have this. Well, and now you want to, you're going to become a therapist. So beware. I remember <laughs> in my work becoming a therapist, we have what's called a diagnostical statistical manual, which has all the diagnoses in it. Mm -hmm. And you have to learn about it. When, right. And, and so... I remember every student going through this, learning about all the diagnoses and going, oh my God, oh my God, I have that. Yep. Oh, I have that symptom. Oh, I have that symptom. Does that mean I have? And yeah, we did that too. <laughs> and that could be really, really scary. Yeah, it is scary. To see it all written down on a page, like listed out like that. Right. You could look at any one of those symptoms and think that something that you have experienced is that symptom right because all the symptoms that people struggle with lie on a continuum so everybody worries once in a while 
that's totally normal and it's appropriate and it's actually good to worry about certain things because it can keep us safe if we worry about certain things like if we're worrying it can actually be information that can communicate to us oh there's potentially danger ahead i should you know really be more cautious so it lies on a continuum or then it can go to the other extent which you've seen in your family where it's like debilitating and you can't go out and function and be you know functioning member of society with it because you can't connect to anybody because you're just so immersed in your head you know yeah and I think when you're learning about it too it's important to like not put yourself into the situation like you're learning about it for the sake of others right that was really hard for me to like remove myself and just sit back and read it without like comparing every little detail of my life to what the textbook was saying Uh uh-huh so Lauren, with anxiety, you've seen whether it's not it's not been formally diagnosed in anyone in your family, but you've seen what anxiety looks like. Yeah, and I think I've seen a lot of I mean, once again, I don't I think I definitely have a lot to learn about myself and a lot to learn about anxiety and things like that. And I think what I saw when since no one in my family was formally diagnosed, I think what I saw that could have been considered to be anxiety or paranoia or anything like that. I think I just saw it as a human characteristic and just, like, something that, like, wasn't a textbook, like, definition of something. So, Mm -hmm. like, I think something I saw a lot is my parents tend to be very paranoid, and if something is a stressful situation, like, I've seen my dad, like, not be able to sleep at night and, like, things like that. And, like, to me, at the time, I was like, oh, he's just stressed, he can't sleep. And I think... As I grew up and like learned more about it and met more people with like different experiences, I think not even like necessarily like people in my family should be are undiagnosed and like whatever. But I think that a lot of times because of the dynamic that I grew up in, it was just shrugged off. And I right. think that seeing it and kind of having a deeper understanding for what it means was just very eye opening for me. And yeah, just like I think just being aware of what certain actions mean and how to best cope with them, I think has definitely taught me a lot. Do you experience anxiety? I don't think I personally have experienced anxiety. And I think I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily know <laughs> because once again, I don't really know a lot about it and it was never mm-hmm. really a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. I definitely worry and I definitely have like thoughts of like just those type of that type of thing but I don't know to what extent because mm-hmm. I just don't know mm-hmm. enough you don't know if it's yeah. excessive or yeah not. I don't know if it's but just it, me it, worrying or me like having anxiety right. you know and like I said everybody yeah definitely has some level of worry so yeah does not mean you have anxiety yeah. you're no. you're absolutely right it does yeah. it just means that you feel anxious once in a while and being a college student in and of itself is anxiety provoking Mm -hmm. the you know and I think like the what like a way I learned to kind of cope with those moments given my like my family is just kind of like to just keep going 
And like, yeah, I might be worried, but like, just kind of push through it. It'll, it's gonna like whatever you're worried about. It's gonna be like I kind of like have I've kind of come to terms with the fact that I think in a way that like I've kind of settled on like everything's eventually gonna be okay. Uh-huh. And like I like firmly believe that everything eventually works out. And if it doesn't, then it wasn't supposed to be how like I like as the cliche. Say, no, yeah. well, no, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not a cliche if you believe it. And I think that like when I am experiencing a hard time. I'm like the thing that kind of gives me hope is I always remind myself that like it's gonna be okay in the end, mm-hmm. and like, I think I even like heard it in a movie or some like movie mm-hmm. quote. It was like, "It's all okay in the end, and if it's not okay, it's not over yet." Mm-hmm. Oh, that like is that. a good yeah. one. <laughs> That's really good. I mean, and to to kind of believe in that is to understand that life comes in in different ways, yeah. right? And it comes in you experience, you know, increased feelings of happiness and pleasure or you know like the highs yeah. and then you experience the lows where you have you know dips of sadness depression or you know these moments maybe it's not full full-on depression but sadness yeah. and you know letdowns and those are those are very indicative of kind of like making it through those things yeah. and everything's going to kind of turn out right yeah and i think that like has a lot like tied into just kind of a little bit like pushing things under the rug like I think those are kind of correlated because it's like it's all going to be okay so like I'm so good. why even like, worry yeah, about like it why just like pretend it's not an issue until it's not an issue yeah. type thing right or yeah. until you can't any longer ignore it yeah exactly well that's when it like that's when it blows up in your face and you yeah. see the negative parts of it but I think for me a lot of like what I tend to do is just like keep pushing through it until it's okay again and there is some rational thinking to that, yeah. actually. Yeah. So it's a good thing to, a good kind of mantra to use to be able to say yeah. to yourself when that, when that happens mm-hmm. and knowing yeah. exactly what you said, just to continually say that again and again. It seems like that's been actually working. Yeah. I mean, and helping yeah, you manage definitely. when you do have those times definitely. of worry. Yeah. Um, so that's actually a way that you take care of your mental health. Yeah. And I think that's the way I've kind of settled on that I take care of myself. Uh-huh. Is I kind of just keep reminding myself it's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. And, and I say that it's important to point out because that's those little things that we don't even realize that we're doing that are helping. Yeah. That are helping improve our mental health, mm-hmm. you know? What do you do to cope or what kind of healthy, what kind of coping skills do you have, Jocelyn? Honestly, I downloaded the app Headspace. Good, like, yes. Over the summer and I love it. It's a meditation app and it just like, helps me unwind at night just lets my mind like chill for a minute and that has like in the beginning of the year when I was so anxious my mom's like you should try meditating and I was like oh it's not gonna do anything (laughs) it it honestly did yeah it really helped what can you tell our listeners those who might be out there saying oh my god (laughs) I don't know I'll never be able to meditate right exactly how I was well at first I would like lie there and I was like this is so stupid like how many more minutes are left, whatever. And then I also have trouble sleeping at night and that I wake up in the morning and then I'm like more anxious that day because I didn't get enough sleep. 
and that just was a way for my mind to like chill out before bed and like it became part of my nightly routine that like helped my body realize that like I was done for the day no more to worry about and like it might sound stupid to some people but it genuinely did help me so I also think it's an individual thing like it doesn't it's not a cure for everyone obviously not a cure at all but absolutely it was something to look forward to it's oh I like the way you just said that (laughs) it is a definitely a great coping skill like you said you know for for some yeah it's great I definitely think it's worth trying that's right because we want to help Right, because what we want to have is what's called a coping skills Mm -hmm. toolbox, where you have all different kinds of coping skills that you can use, and you don't know what even is necessarily going to work at the time, but you have a toolbox filled with skills where you can say, oh, I'll try this right now, Mm -hmm. well, that didn't work, maybe Mm -hmm. I'll try this right now, because you don't know what's going to work in different situations. Right, and now here you girls are. You're about to go abroad. We were talking about this a little earlier, and then when you come back, you're going to be seniors um, because you're going to be gone for a while. And we were just beginning to talk about some anxious feelings about that. Would you guys share? Well, I also think being in college, like in itself, I think a lot of people learn a lot about their mental health because you're like exposed to a lot of different scenarios that you weren't previously exposed to, like whether it be like meeting new people, whether it be like relationships and anything like that. And I think you kind of realize through the process, like what makes you anxious and Mm -hmm. like how to avoid it. And like what I think it's just like having all these different experiences like teaches you like what like basically what, what makes you anxious and I think that like now that we've had two and a half years in college I think I feel a little I, obviously I'm worried about going abroad but I definitely feel a little bit more confident because I've been in a new location before like I've done it where like I didn't know anyone and like in this time I'm not going alone like when I went to college I didn't know one person and you did it and I did it so it's like it kind of gives you a little bit of confidence because it's like if I could handle this I can handle this that's excellent that's another that's another skill to keep in your toolbox and that is having points of reference uh, and reminding yourself like whoa I have done that before come on now you know like you can't say I've never gotten through that before because you have and and yeah yeah, I, I like that idea a lot. And that's something when working with a lot of like addicts and alcoholics, I like to use different frames of reference um, as ways to help them understand the things that they've already been through getting clean and sober. Um, and usually one of which is just like the previous days when they were really doubtful or maybe they were really triggered and they were sitting in a lot of craving and um, being able to also look back on that experience of being like getting originally clean and sober first right going to treatment making it through treatment yeah. and if you could make it through treatment you can make it through these things sober and and also being able to build community around you that sustains experiences that are also different than those that we haven't been through yeah. but but allows you to be able to reach out and say, you know, I haven't experienced this. Have you experienced this? Do you know what this is like? How would you 
address something like this in your own life? And then if you don't know, could you point me in the direction of somebody that maybe yeah. does know? Right. And that's, that's also such a significant tool is being maybe not able to have all the answers yourself. Be able to look outside of yourself too and say, who might have the answers? That's right. That's right. a really good point. Really good point. And the, the, the magic word also you said is community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all need community. Mm-hmm. We all need other people. We are not meant to live in isolation. It's very primal. Um, what are you thinking about right now? Well, for me, honestly, I was thinking about how, like, the idea of community, when when you're a freshman, at least at our school, the first week you have to take, you take, like, a University 100 class, and they, like, teach you all the basics about, like, mental health, and they literally say to you, like, most people get diagnosed between the ages of, what is it, 19 to 21, Mm -hmm. 19 to 24, something, yeah, Uh 24, and they talked a lot about community, and that to me like always stuck in my mind and, and honestly was part of the reason that like I wanted to rush like you, everyone finds their community a different way but that was like my way of doing it oh. and that like really stuck out to me that that was one of the first things that they talked about like being a freshman on the college campus is that like when you're here you find your people it's your community and so you went into that then with a the very open mind because you could have gone in there and only heard the part about people getting diagnosed between 19 and 24 and been like oh my gosh that's gonna happen to me but instead what you did is you were very open-minded and 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 took more about what you can take from there something positive and that says something about you right right i think everyone is always trying to find their people Mm -hmm. and like relating it back to going abroad like I'm lucky now because I'm going with my people but freshman year it wasn't like that (laughs) (laughs) freshman year I didn't really know anyone so it was like a whole new world I had to try to figure it out on my own and to have someone else say to you like okay you need to find your people and like have it kind of be from like a almost medical perspective right that was really like the push for just like putting myself out there because also like as cheesy as it is like when you join a sorority like all your experiences that you go through, like, from that point forward are with these people. Uh-huh. And, like, you kind of, like, once you kind of get your group, like, your group of friends and you kind of find, like, as Johnson was saying, like, your people, like, those are the people that are there for you, like, when you're going out, like, when you, like, make a mistake, when you get too drunk and you need help, like, it's kind of just, like, your support system. And I think that itself is, like, a very useful tool to have. And it's, like, very... It's like a very comforting feeling to know that you have that to fall back on. I would agree. You're yeah. tribe. Yeah. 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 That's exactly the way that I thought of, right? It's just build your tribe. Like, know your people. Have them around you and available. And look out for one another. Yeah. That's what, it's all, that's what it's all about. And I think for us specifically, like, through our pledging process, like, that was literally, like, look out for one another was, like, driven home. Like, that oh, yeah. was our main point was kind of like we for while we were pledging we weren't allowed to go out for the whole time pretty much because they were like you don't know each other well enough to like when you see one of you guys like too drunk you'll just leave like you don't care you don't realize because yeah. you don't know them well enough to know if they're too drunk right. or what so they're like, yeah like, that was their whole thing was yeah. like, we don't trust you guys to go out together yet because you don't care about each other yeah yet. 
and it was like a buddy system like you were with that person you were to make sure that that person doesn't get too drunk not that it was like completely your responsibility but it just made you like realize that just in life in general you shouldn't only be worrying about yourself like it's important to keep an eye out for everyone else Uh and like a main thing they said a million times throughout it was no one ever walks alone like you even like during pledging like if we had to go to the bathroom just to drive home the point like you go with someone oh, yeah mm-hmm. like and so it's like they try to instill that because you know how dangerous obviously being in college can be and like being in college park like it's not necessarily the safest town mm-hmm. and so like you i literally don't remember a time i've ever walked alone at night like if i want to go somewhere i go with someone and even like i lived in my sorority house this last semester and they all my friends majority lived in apartments and like people would just walk me the hundred feet to my, from the apartments to my house just if it was like late at night or like FaceTime someone yeah or like I would call someone every time I walked home because like it, you can literally see my house from their apartment but like just the little bit of reassurance of like knowing that someone's there was like the best feeling to have and it made me feel so much safer like going into a night like even silly things like I would like share my Uber ride with someone if I didn't feel safe like just having people there for you that will literally look at their phone and make sure that you're driving home okay like right. it just makes you feel like you have someone there for you and it, it really helps you realize that like you're not going through anything alone definitely not silly and yeah. I'm so happy you ladies are bringing this up because for for some people they may have a, a very preconceived view about the Greek life okay. um, and so I think it's important to get to hear yeah. from you all because what I'm hearing is that they've really been a big part of keeping tabs on your mental health and ensuring good mental health Mm -hmm. and even like the little things where like there was a girl and I remember there was a girl in our sorority that really liked some guy and really wanted him to come for our formal and like as a joke she wrote in our group me with all 50 of us and was like who would Venmo me like to pay for his plane ticket, like, ha, oh my like, God. nothing serious at that. all, and everyone was like, oh my God, of course, like, I want him to come just as bad as you want him to come, like, even the people she wow. wasn't even close with was like, I'll Venmo you five dollars, like, every I was like, of course I'm gonna Venmo Sid, like, obviously, like, it was just like, even if it's five dollars, and it was like 50 of us, it was like something that was just, like, even she sent us, like, a whole essay, like, after crying, and she's like, you guys have no idea, like, I was kidding, and like, that means, and this girl is someone who's actually had severe anxiety. I've talked, I talked about her last time, and she mm-hmm. had like severe anxiety throughout her whole life. And like she said, she said to us multiple times, she's like throughout her whole life, she's always been friends with boys. She's always never really like had a place with like a bunch mm-hmm. of girls. And like she was like, I've never felt like I have more of a community and a place here. That's so amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like something that was like even if people weren't even close with her, like oh, because we were in the same pledge class, like you're there for her. Yeah. And it was just like, it's a really cool feeling to like, mm. know that that's there as a support system. So did he end up going with it? No. He didn't. But it wasn't because <laughs> she didn't get yeah, the ticket. It was for some other, I don't even remember why he couldn't come. He just, but... he just couldn't come, but. <laughs> I don't even think I, she I'm was not like, a good end to this it was, story. That's why it was more of a joke. Like she wasn't even serious. Like if we buy this ticket, he will come. Like she was like, Oh, maybe this could happen. And yeah, like, it didn't end up happening, and she vented us all back. But like, oh, she <laughs> but, did. Yeah. But that's but what's amazing yeah, is that's not integrity. Like that's that's the comedic end of the of the story, right? Yeah. Like the real meaning in that story is that you guys were all there. Like you guys 
even though she wasn't like asking, it wasn't like it was a joke from yeah. her side of things. You guys still were there to support her. Yeah. And it seems, you know, maybe it's a very simple response or, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, it's, you don't really think much about it, but to her, it made her world. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's the principle behind it. Yeah. And I also think the like sense of community like extends, like, I think everyone obviously makes mistakes. And I think that like, we know that like, I've messed up, you've messed up, like, regardless like at the end of the day like I'm gonna tell you or someone like that you're messing up but like I'm still gonna be there for you and like it's still it's just like a really reassuring feeling that like you have people that like will support you no matter what and not even only support you like also like call you out when you do something wrong very good point that's very good point that's part of being a friend yeah and part of like keeping your community Mm -hmm. like if you're doing something repetitively wrong and no one calls you out on it and people just start dropping you then that's and you don't know why, like, that's a huge issue. And part of yeah. having your people is having those people who are going to give you the tough love, too. Mm-hmm. For example, because that <laughs> reminded me, what we did at school was, like, we, t- oh, we yeah. have, like, a we have like a group of friends of, like, ten people. But, like, our, we, like, tend to hang out. It's me, Jocelyn, and this girl, Eve, who's from New York. And um, we did the, We didn't end up doing it. But we had a very good idea. And I still think we should do it. But we were gonna we were gonna make each of us like a jar mm-hmm. and then on the jar it was gonna be like the one habit we always do that's so bad for us. Yeah. Like and then every time we did it, we'd have to put a dollar in the jar. Oh, I like that. And so we'd have like okay. ordered not, the jars, we ordered the jars. We never, but we never used it. it. But it would be oh like my gosh. the stupid things we did and like yeah. instead of like getting mad at like I, she ended up Venmoing me because we didn't have the jars yet <laughs> but like nice. it was just like the stupid stuff we did it'd be like I'm not I'm just gonna say you're messing up and jar like, yes. it was just like the so that's thing. called being accountable yeah, yeah. exactly and, and where does the money go towards we haven't decided what you do with your house supplies I think we spent it on like a bag of gum <laughs> but I, it was just funny because I think like, you ladies should most definitely do this it yeah. was it's not even like, like you never done. did not no not even should have like as we moving still, yeah. forward you yeah. guys can you are is eve going with you guys to... she's not she's actually currently in barcelona mm-hmm. oh wow nice yeah. not so too away. So <laughs> maybe you two can help start that <laughs> i think i will lose a lot of money if we do that <laughs> <laughs> those are really good friends and i am so happy you brought that point mm. up jocelyn because that is so true about friends calling each other out mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, like we were the people, like we're the people that see the effects those choices have on those that individual, and so it's like, I'm not just gonna sit here and like tell you it's okay, like what you're doing, because like I'm the one like that sees this effect on you, like in the following days, and like sees how it like can change your mental state. So it's like, yes, I'm still gonna listen to your problems, but I'm definitely gonna tell you that you're not in the right, you're not doing the right thing right now. That reminds me of. There was a time when it was it was a really big trend for people to say, you know, that they don't care what others think. And like that was a sign of strength that somehow if you didn't care what other people thought, like you were stronger. Liberated, yeah. Right. yeah. And I always thought there was a flaw in that. Mm-hmm. And and throughout my years I've really understood why. Because you do have to care what other people think. Yeah. Not that that's the end of the deal. 
right, you make decisions from, but you have to know how others perceive you. It's important and to get that feedback from others and then allow yourself to hear the feedback yeah, right? and, learn from it and learn from it, right? So it's even taking it one step further. Um, and that's, that's something that's hard to do no matter what age Because it's are. also like I remember when we had the topic of these jars, like I remember we were like talking about it and like when we were talking about what we should do for each person, like, and people were, like, you and Eve were saying things, like, for my jar, I was, like, things that, like, I didn't even necessarily realize were an issue until, like, they were brought to my attention. And so I think that, like, bringing these, like, bad habits to someone's attention is the best way to, like, help them fix it. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like, things, like, I remember, I don't even remember what mine was. Mine was about a boy. (laughs) Mine was about a boy. boy. That I'm Interesting. Yeah, I'm glad. I was gonna. I was gonna <laughs> ask you guys. So, what what are some of the things that you guys have called each other out on? Oh, I have a question. Hers was one. <laughs> we landed on one because it was yeah. a main issue. Uh-huh. Hers you was, mean like overall, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. If there's main issues, ones that you went, continually went back to, but then also, like, what are other ideas that you guys, you know, have seen that you've commented on? Well. Just overall, like, the way we went about it was in, like, a very joking, friendly way. Like, we weren't joking necessarily, but, like, you notice when your friends are venting to you about the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And it's hard for you to watch your friend, like, go through the same thing over and over again. So just picking up on those little things and, like, bringing it to their attention in a way that they're not going to get super defensive. Yeah. So that was kind of our way of, like... Making a joke out Making, of something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, it gives you a good and a nice and easy, like buttery smooth, like and it's like, remember that jar? Oh yeah, this is one of them, <laughs> right? Like, like yeah, and figure it, was like, it out. Decorate the jar, like yeah, the fun thing. Yeah, never did it. But then it was well, yeah. But then the problems kind of went away. Yeah. Did they go away? <laughs> no, I mean, we'll see. Well, <laughs> like we'll Jocelyn's, s- I mean, if you want to share yours, I can. I don't know what mine is. Or maybe other ones. Are there any other ones? Any other ones that, that, that maybe your you peers do. call you out on, yeah. that you take that feedback? Yes. Like, not necessarily in our group that we were okay. originally planning it for, but like looking, girls like looking in the mirror and being like, oh, I look so fat in this, or mm-hmm. just something like that. Like, there's one girl in particular that I'm thinking of in our group of friends who love her to death, but that's like the one thing that she'll always say. Like, she'll always look in the mirror and be like, oh, I look fat, like something like that. And just those kind of things, like, we're close enough with her that we could be like, okay, put it in the jar, you know? And, like, it just makes you realize the things that are coming out of your mouth and, like, what it's doing to you mentally. Um, because if every time you look in the... I mean, obviously, you know, but, like, every time you look in the mirror and you're telling yourself you look fat, you're going to eventually start to believe that's it. That's absolutely yeah. right. And so it's, like, it's it's hard as a friend to every single time someone says this, like, you're not fat, like, stop it. It's, like, more just, like, you kind of have to bring it to their attention yeah. and just be, like, jar. Like, for example, or something like that. That's a like, great example. Yeah, because it's like when someone, when a girl, I think every girl falls victim to doing things like that. And I think when it becomes more frequent, that's when it becomes more of an issue, obviously. But I think that most times people aren't even aware of it. And it's just like, they're just saying things like, oh, I look bad in this. Like, just like self-demeaning comments. And mm-hmm. it's like, as a friend, it's hard to hear that. And it's hard to be like, every time you can't you, you don't want your friends to think that about themselves mm-hmm. and so it's like you kind of just have to get them to stop saying it so they stop believing it mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and like I think 
that was something that helped too. And like I remember this was outside, more outside of our friend group because this was when I was living in the house and I was with my exec board. If and this one girl, she I think it's you're talking about. Come on, hit them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there's this one girl that she is very. She says these comments all the time. So like something we did in the house was like every time someone would say like they looked fat in something or asked if they looked big in something, they'd have to do a plank for thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. So it was more just like bringing to attention the issue and also like kind of having a constructive way of going about it even though doing a plate for 30 I was, seconds I was gonna, just gonna say yeah that's not yeah. Really yeah. no but it's like it's like that's potentially like kind of giving a solution right. like it's like not like right. Right. it's putting it in a positive way right. as opposed to like just saying no you're not and shrugging it off it's like no but like maybe do something to help you like and even like, yeah. like you said just sometimes bringing it to somebody's attention yeah. because it becomes habitual yeah. and you don't even realize it's happening. So yeah. even just bringing it to the surface yeah. and go, there it is again, there mm-hmm. it is again, is helpful. Yeah, it right? definitely is. I still think it's helpful at a certain point to be like, you don't look this way, you know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to change their mind doing it. But if you make them realize that those words are coming out of their mouth, then yeah it'll be a little bit more effective at least. Because mm-hmm. also if you're saying it, not only are you going to start to believe it, but like everyone's going to be like, if she thinks she's like, if you don't have, I think if you don't have self-confidence, then like why would anyone else view you any differently? So it's like, it's not even like hurtful to her. Like it's more hurtful to her than she even aware is aware That's of. That's right. Because it's like such a ripple effect and not even necessarily like the fat thing, but like anything on in that subject, I think is very... Like it when it comes body to like, language, I yeah. mean, to, to body image, yes. And it's even like respect in any way. Like if you don't respect yourself, like why would a, a boy respect you? Like it's mm-hmm. like things that you just like have to put your, you kind of learn that you have to put yourself first in, other, yeah. in order to receive the same mm-hmm. thing from everyone One you. thing that I'm kind of thinking about is, I don't know, now that we're like talking about the jar, I kind of feel like it's always calling someone out on something negative that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to think, like, if there's a way to do something positive also, like, at the same time. Not that it's, you know what I mean? No, like, you're absolutely right. Like, maybe you can right. get a dollar back if you do yeah. something, you know? You're yeah. absolutely right. And yeah. I love that you brought that up. I love that you brought that up. Yes. Because we do not want to just reinforce mm-hmm. negative yeah. behaviors. Yeah. We want to reinforce positive behaviors too it's just as important Mm -hmm. and that gets forgotten so frequently and that starts when we're so young in school even right and you're doing something right you don't usually get told but the minute you do something wrong you know you're called out right um so i absolutely love that idea (laughs) and think people are going to be more willing to participate if if they know yeah, that, that part. Too or something. Right. Yeah. And then you start to practice a behavior that you exactly. do want instead of just trying to get rid of a behavior you don't want. You can learn about a behavior to replace it with, mm-hmm. too. Because yeah, that's, that's hard when... Um, you know, for me, I know being a therapist when I'm teaching skills and, you know, encouraging somebody to let go of a self-destructive behavior, I can't ask them to do that if they don't know mm-hmm. another hmm. kind yeah. of behavior yeah. to replace that. Who am yeah. I to do that? I'm setting them up for failure. Yeah. 
So I love that you brought that up. Which I think it's something that, like, I don't know how far we would actually go with this, but if, if you, like, look in the mirror and say you're that one person and that's the one issue that you have, if you look in the mirror and, like, say something good about yourself, like, just the way that our friend group works, at least, like, we're always joking around with each other, so we could be like, okay, like, you can have a dollar for that, you know? Like, it doesn't have to be a money incentive at all, but right. Yeah. Right. just, like, going along the lines of the jar. I, I love that, and I think that would be a really cool thing to stay in line with the jar mm-hmm. and even with like, the money. Like, a positive reinforcement it could even be something just, like, excitement, right? Like, you show excitement for yeah. that person by pointing it out and, like, giving them a hug you're adding something which is reinforcing that behavior right reinforcing that behavioral change and even with um you know the planking right that could possibly be perceived as like a positive punishment almost right and we know in psychology that reinforcements are much more impactful than punishments especially in the way that they're perceived by the individual that's accepting or that's receiving the the act of punishment or reinforcement yeah. right especially positive pu- positive reinforcement um so it's very interesting yeah it's like a conditioned right yeah and the other thing i was thinking when you use the hug example maybe that's even something somebody gets a quarterback for because maybe this is an individual who has a difficult time like um receiving feedback from others or has difficult time um, connecting like getting close to people and so that's a behavior that they want to get better at so they can choose a behavior that they want to also like improve Mm -hmm. on and when you see it you can like you know give a quarter 50 cents or that's probably not much also like you were saying about hers was about a boy eventually she cut that boy out of her life so in that (laughs) context you would have gotten the whole job back there you go there you go awesome yeah yeah Yeah. stuck to the job yeah that's great (laughs) i'd be so rich right now that's a great point i really think that this would be something to yeah a a call to action Mm -hmm. and Another word that came to mind when, when you were bringing up the plank idea was the word pause. Um, when I said, like, you know, sometimes we just don't even realize it becomes a, because it becomes habitual. We need to take pauses hmm. because we just go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And so, like, pausing for a moment and going, oh, yeah is really really important yeah definitely just taking the pause like reflecting on it yes 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 reflecting it's 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 because i think that also helps people Mm -hmm. like instead of just instantly getting down on yourself and instantly being like i messed up i can't believe i did this it's like okay like i messed up like what can i do to fix this and like what can i do to like not make this mistake again yeah and i think like reflecting early makes you like realize that and it's like well how can i avoid this feeling again Oh, Lauren, I love that because you don't want them to be called out on it and, yeah. and then to punish themselves. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, see, there I go again. I just said I look fat again. What the hell's wrong with me? And mm-hmm. that could be the talk that's going yeah. on in her head. And you don't even know that because yeah, she exactly. doesn't express so it. So she just leaves the mirror and walks away. So, so for like, her, yeah. it could be like just a shame, a, 
she hears it as just being shamed or humiliated and doesn't hear it as being something positive. Hence, to just reinforce that idea about this, this something positive, bringing that into it. And I think there are a lot of different ways to like do things like this too, um, especially if it's with close friends that you're like comfortable with someone telling you what you're doing right, wrong. Right. Of course, in the beginning, like it's gonna be hard. Like, at least for my situation, like I was very defensive. Very. Very, yeah. Very. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely, actually. <laughs> like hostile. Um, so just like making sure that you go about everything in the right way. Like you don't want to be yeah. too harsh on someone when that's they're clearly right. like being harsh on themselves. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And I think that's where a lot of people make mistakes. Because like I remember a lot of our friends would talk to you about like a situation and it would just be like, how could you do this? Like, why would you do this? Like, and it's like. I made the mistake. I know I messed up. Like, you don't have to, like, tell me mm-hmm. over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. I'm already beating myself up enough about it. And I'm it's already like, my worst yeah, critic. Exactly. And, like, I already know that this was a mistake. Like, you don't need to keep telling me that. It's not yeah. helping anyone. Right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, look, we're, we're sitting here having this conversation. And, like, if you're talking about having that conversation with a friend, like, I know where we are. I know we're having a conversation about me repeating the same thing over again. It's like... Let's not get stuck on just the beginning part of like why we're here. Let's yeah. really talk about like what it is that's happening underneath of it all, right? And I like what you talked about with doing, like, adding to it and doing it for like in different ways. Mm. I think early on when you talked about your definition of mental health, you said being able to do something for yourself every single day. Hmm. What are some of those things that you found that you do for yourself every single day, even if it's the smallest thing that help you with your mental health? Um, this is like something that I did for a little while. Like, is it corny? Kind of. Okay, good. <laughs> well, there's awesome. suggestions. Yeah. We no, no, corny. I saw the face because yeah. she was like, well, I, she was like, I don't know if I want to share this. Well, this is something that like, like social media wise, I would always go on Instagram and like look at these girls and I'd be like, oh, like this person's doing this, whatever. And it got to the point where it was like, I would look at it and I would just be annoyed so I deleted the app for a little while. I'm just yeah. like doing other things with my time. Like I would like read blogs and like do little things like that instead of like sit and look at that actual application. Yeah. I also like, read poetry for a while. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, nice. So Very that cool. was that was like something that I just recognized within myself. Like this thing isn't really making me happy. Like I just want to like take a break from it for a while. Yeah. And just like not necessarily something that that's not a good example of like what I added to my life, but just taking away something that I knew made me feel a certain kind of way. Well, I I argue with that. Yeah. Because no, you're good. I mean, you took something away, but you replaced it with numerous other things Mm -hmm. that were much more beneficial. Yeah. Right. So just because you took something away, doesn't mean that you didn't add things back. Mm -hmm. Right. I also think like social media is like a lot of people are showing the best parts of their lives. It's a facade. Yeah. It's a complete lie. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. So it's like, you're looking through social media and you're seeing everyone's happiest points. And it's like, well, if I'm a little bit down right now, but like, you're just automatically, it's a comparison thing. Yeah. And so it's like, if this girl is like on a beach somewhere looking beautiful, like it's just like a weird, like it's just, you look through it and it's like, you're comparing yourself subconsciously mm-hmm. and it can mm-hmm. like slowly start to make you like and I think that's what Carry, happens to you yeah. it's like you kind of hate your tipping and you can see like who likes whose person's picture and like right. all the little things that go into it I, I just like found that I needed a break from it and yeah. that ended up being helpful 
So like just recognizing like something in your life that's not making you happy, just willing to make that change, even if you're not used to it. Even if it's something small, like deleting an application. That is such a great piece of advice. That's something um, I've run a lot of treatment centers and especially in eating with working with eating disorders. And that's um, when we do social media groups, that's what we do. We have them bring in their phones and go through everything that they even have on their phone, you know, and what they regularly look at that they don't even necessarily realize, right? Or the things, type of pictures, or the people that they follow even also, right? Because everybody has access to a filter. Yeah. And like Photoshop, anything. I mean, come on now. Yeah. And like following like so many, I think it's like hard because so many young girls and so many girls in general like will follow these beautiful Victoria's Secret models uh-huh. and like all of these like people that aren't even real people. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's so hard to be like, how does this human look like that? Uh-huh. And like, it's just such a hard, it's like with social media, like yeah, before it like people were exposed to the models and the pretty people, but it wasn't as like in your face and it wasn't as constant. And I think that in itself is like a very like cleansing thing to get away from for a while because it's just so hard eventually i agree and sometimes even if you don't think it's a problem maybe even i would encourage people to just try it out anyway and see what the difference is because we especially your generation are so caught up on Mm -hmm. your social media oftentimes it's the first thing you do when you wake yeah, up in the morning, yeah. you grab your phone and all that stimulation as well. And it's the last thing you do when you mm. go to bed at night and maybe to try doing something different and just see what the outcome is. Even like you were talking, Jocelyn, about um, the meditation app, mm-hmm. you know, try some other things yeah. out. And even Instagram now has this like thing where you can set a reminder for how long you've been on the app itself so like I changed mine to 30 minutes a day and I in my head I was like I'm never there's no way I sit on Instagram for 30 minutes a day and I'll be like in the morning still and I'll get that reminder and I'm like oh my god like what am I doing with my day wow I didn't know yeah. there was a oh, reminder like that that is so important and to really, know like people have been doing that kind of thing if Instagram like put it within their own application yeah, because uh, if anything, that's pushing people away from their yeah. app. Like, they know it's an issue that needs yeah. something. They're willing to do something yeah. about it in that way. And I think also when you take a break from it and you kind of step away from it, you realize how dumb it all is. Like, you realize, like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I have to catch up. Like, I have to know, like, what... But it doesn't matter, like, at all. And it's also like, surface level. And it's mm-hmm. like, if I don't see this picture of my friend with my other friend in a different location, it's not going to change my life mm-hmm. at all. And I think it's like hard because a lot of people don't step away from it, so they're so invested. Yeah. And I think you don't really realize until you've taken a minute to like be on your own. Would agree. And so I'm going to ask that question to you, Lauren, that we'll ask to Jocelyn about what are some of the things that you do to take care of your mental health daily? I think um, for me, what makes something that makes me really happy is being by like being surrounded by the people I love, as cliche as that sounds. But like, I think that I enjoy, like I just enjoy being around people and being around like, and just like enjoy, I don't like the times when I'm just like sitting doing nothing and you kind of start to like, 
I, yes, I like my alone time, obviously, right. but I also think something that I, like, something that makes me happy is, like, those, com- even, like, a stupid, like, an hour conversation with a friend and, like, just things that, like, kind of keep you reminded that you do have people that love you and you do have people that, like, care about you. And I think that, like, having those conversations and interacting with people, like, is a subtle reminder of that. Can I ask why you, because you said the example you used, you brought in the word stupid. Did you know that you did that? No. When did I say that? Did you, did you hear <laughs> do that, Justin? I, I did hear, but I didn't even like register that that what was... Will you tell her what you heard her say? Um, you said even something stupid like calling a friend for an hour, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What? Well, I don't necessarily... I mean, I didn't even realize I used that word. <laughs> but I think... I think for me, I well, maybe I said stupid because it seems like such an obvious... like. Thing. No, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't seem like an obvious thing. And it just seems like something that's like easy and attainable. Like it's not like I'm like reaching far to do. So, and know? that can be the hardest yeah. thing for somebody to, to yeah. do. And I think that's why it's just like, yeah, that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought of it. Uh huh. <laughs> and so I look at that and I go, oh my gosh, that's amazing that you're able to do that for yourself because I also think talking to people just in general like just being around people is something that helps me because like even recently like I've been working at a clothing store and like I've kind of realized that like I will talk to just these girls that come in who are like seniors in high school and I'll just talk to them for like 15 minutes just like because I'll just be like picking out like our college vintage clothes and I'll be like oh you're going to college and then somehow like end up in this conversation with these girls for like 15 minutes and it's like those are the times like I remember and I'll like look back and be like happy about it as opposed to like when I'm just like avoiding conversation and like folding clothes mm-hmm. and it's like I think I naturally am the type of person to like want to have a conversation with someone and you're so easy to have a conversation with <laughs> I, I know that about you <laughs> and that's very inviting to yeah. people and so you never know those 15 minutes that you give that customer may make her day and I think that's also something I like about it I think you do too because it's like I have no idea what that person is going through or what they went through before they even walked in here but like if I can have a conversation with someone that like helps them and I think that's also something that I like doing I think I like being there for people and I think I like knowing that like if I said something that like helped them then like even if it's something insignificant if like it made their day and like made them happier I think that also makes me happier those things matter yeah and so it's important that you acknowledge those small things or not so small things yeah exactly because that well that's they're not small at all they're beautiful things yes They're just beautiful things to do. And I like really, and you can disagree because you would know first, but I like definitely think I am, I like listening mm-hmm. to like a lot. Like I like just kind of like, even if it's just listening, mm-hmm. I think I like tend to volunteer in a way to like be the person just to like, even if you just need to send me a paragraph and I'll read it and send a response, like, and then if I can like help you just by like listening to you, then I think that's definitely something I like to do. Sometimes I'll send Lauren paragraphs and she doesn't even need to answer them. I'll just 
get over it within she'll, 10 minutes, yeah, and then she'll, I'll just, like, keep talking. She'll start it off, like, you don't even have to answer this, I just have to say this. <laughs> but that's good, though, right? And because the thing is, it's, you write it as an intention to go to her in order to usually, like, maybe even sometimes to not receive feedback, but you know that you can use it as a platform to express your feelings mm-hmm. in the moment, but then also send it to somebody. That way they know where you were at in that moment, too. Yeah. So you're, like, building, you're doing the coping skill in front of you, but you're bringing somebody else into that right. later on. Yeah. And that's perfect because maybe she's not available in that respect. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. That, or maybe you're at a place right. where you can't call her. That's right. Yeah. So... And, and I was thinking along the lines of what Will said, Jocelyn, like that is something that you do for yourself too, for your mental health, um, by even reaching out and asking for some input yeah. or even honoring yourself enough to say, hey, well, you know, if, if you can, will you take a minute to, mm-hmm. to look at something, you know, I wrote, because that that inevitably saying is saying like because i matter and like you're not a burden to anybody and if that's maybe an old theme too that you had in your life Mm -hmm. growing up that's even that much more important for you to take chances and do that and do it with people who you know get something out of it also Mm -hmm from being there for you mm-hmm. and it's it's a mutual thing and it's good for you because you deserve to take up other people's time i also think another important thing is like being able to make fun of yourself in a way mm-hmm. like just being able to look at the things that you've done like after you've reflected on them just be able to make fun of yourself if you did something wrong that kind of just helps you make light of the situation in a way you that, know? that is such a good one. Yeah. I and mean, even starting the email such with, you don't one. need to read this. Yeah. Which is almost saying, like, I know I'm using this as a form or as a forum for me to vent. And it's kind of hilarious that I'm still sending this yeah. to you because I know it's just doing this is enough. But, like, I'm still going to bring you into yeah. this so you know what's And there's been, like, countless times where if I'm, like, I'm not on my phone for an hour, I'll have, like, a string of texts. And, like, <laughs> the, the beginning ones will be, like, about some issue. And then, like, slowly, like, she'll get distracted by, like, a dog or something. <laughs> like, something stupid. And then <laughs> I'll be, like... text myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I'm not answering, she'll just start texting herself. Like, <laughs> and I'll just read them, like, an hour later. And, like, I'll be, like, well, wait. Do you want to, like, talk about, like, the original thing? And she'll be, like, no, no, I'm already over that. Like, that's good. Like, I just needed to say it, but, like, we're good now. That's great. You two yeah. are really lucky to have one another. Yeah. Because what Aww. I'm hearing sitting here on this end yeah. is a really beautiful friendship. Um, two people really care about each other and are willing to be honest with one another and you know let's listen to each other and I definitely think the honesty is like one of my favorite things because it's like you want to know when you're like I like you said like you want to know like when you're doing something wrong Mm -hmm. and it takes someone else to sometimes it takes someone else to tell you it does most of the time time. yeah most (laughs) of the time it does so you know we've touched on so many things tonight but I (laughs) I'm wondering if there's one or two or three or 
any takeaways from this podcast tonight that you you'd like to leave you take with you or you leave um, our listeners with and um, either you go first I think we started off talking about family and like mm-hmm. how family has kind of shaped what our idea of mental health is and then we really just got to the point of like friends and supporting each other and like your family goes beyond just your immediate family mm-hmm. and looking out for each other goes beyond just like looking out for your siblings and your parents so I think just the main point of this, at least for me, has been even if I have issues with my family that I can't talk to my family about, like there are other people that I can go to that are my loved ones as well. Mm. That is so good because <laughs> we have to remember as we get older, oftentimes our friends become our family yeah. because we can choose them. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean you don't love your family. It doesn't mean that at all, but we get to create who we have around and exactly. who we check in with. So that that's that's amazing. What about you, Lauren? I also think like going off of that, like I think as we did start talking about family and then grew into like other things, I think something that that like says to me is like, yes, you start your life off and you're with your immediate family, but like eventually you do grow and become your own person and like you go into many topics that like you were never exposed to within your household Mm -hmm. and so I think that like yes your family shapes you into who you are but like just because when you leave for college you still like and leave and go on your own there's still like so much to learn and so much to change and like so much if you kind of I think I'm very much more myself now than I was three years ago Mm -hmm. and I think that like it's very important to like keep reminding yourself that like you're never done learning I love it yeah. Love it. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with a few things. I love our conversation about community uh, and what you lady shared about too with, with that benefit of your sorority too mm-hmm. and each other and your peers. And it's really, it's really refreshing for me on this end to know that you are understanding the importance and the necessity of community um, because it, it's it's critical. Yeah. It's critical. I also love the idea about the positive, um, the positive thing with the jar. Mm. I think that is a great idea and if you know if think about it pass it on Mm -hmm. that goes for all you listeners out there too. pass that on share that idea with somebody else I think it was like what you were saying about the toolbox right just another possible solution just something else we can add to the toolbox and I also like um, you mentioned an app that has been helpful for mm-hmm. you. Headspace. Headspace, yes. meditating. Mm-hmm. So those of you out there might want to check that out. There's all kinds of good apps that are free that you can use that have uh, timers on them too yeah. for and have guided uh, meditations so you're not just with yourself and you can also hear a voice because sometimes it's hard initially to be with yourself. Right. Um, 
So there's all kinds of great apps out there that that you can do that with. And I really could go on and on about the positive things because there's been so many takeaways. And I just, I, I really commend you too. And like I said, it's really nice to see such a beautiful friendship and um, and I love not taking each, taking yourself so seriously all the time and the piece about honesty and accountability. What about you, Will? Yeah, I think I loved a lot of uh, what we talked about tonight. And I especially love that you talked about your sister and your experience with that and how that really shaped the way that you were able to be there for that one of your friends at school and how your experience really helped you to have compassion and spread that compassion. And I don't think you, in doing so, just spread that compassion toward that girl. I think you exposed a lot of other people to compassion. And, you know, I think that's something that would make your sister proud and make your sister feel so honored, right? and I think that also I really love the idea of not taking yourself so seriously. I think um, things can get hard when we do take ourselves so seriously and they um, hard for us as individuals, hard for us to engage with um, the environments directly around us and they can really tend to isolate us from our peers and, and friends and family. And um, I just think it's, you, you know, I've, I'd love to be the first person to to make a joke about myself Mm -hmm. and um, I think it's such a valuable trait in that it really allows people in and it allows people to um, feel comfortable so I I really value that 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 was shared and um, I hope you guys have a wonderful trip I think it'll be (laughs) so much fun especially going together right like with your own people right with your people that's another thing I love that we talked about your people and your tribe and and how you found that and understanding the importance and I also just love what you said Will about sharing with your sister about that level of compassion because that that was really nice to hear yeah and so we invite you to back anytime anytime um the door is open and even if you want to come back before you two leave on your travels because i know you have a couple more weeks since Mm -hmm. you're here we would love to have you back Mm -hmm. and um, well, I don't think you're going to be here. She's going to be going on Friday, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. But if this week, you can always bring you in by FaceTime, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you can always do that. It doesn't matter where you are. So thank you thank all you. for listening. Thank you very much, Thank you, you ladies, for coming. And have a good night, and we'll see you. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Bye.